This is the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast on the WVSA Digital Network. From the Sport Pens International Studios in Charleston, West Virginia, here's your host, Marcus Cole. Welcome to the podcast. We have another great show for you. Before we welcome our guests, I want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share our program. This helps us get the word out to others. Let them know that we're providing valuable information designed for soccer players, coaches, referees, and parents. With us today is Dr. James Morin, performance nutritionist and author of the brand new book, The Performance Nutritionist. Doctor, welcome to the program. Hiya, how are we? I'm doing well. We're so glad to have you on the program today. I know you're a very busy guy trying to get all this uh, all this new information out to people with your new book, The Performance Nutritionist, and we'll make sure to talk about that here later on in the podcast. But before we jump into our subject, and I was mentioning to you before, uh, the idea of having uh, Dr. Morin on the program is we've been talking a lot about nutrition lately, and we've been talking for over the last few years on our podcast. Um, we want to dive just a little bit deeper. The, the the information that we've been providing are for those players that enjoy playing, our youth players uh, that love the sport and want to do better. Of course, there's a smaller segment of the population that have bigger aspirations, bigger dreams, go on play for college, want to go on professionally and play. And that's where Dr. Morin's going to come in and talk a little bit more about performance nutrition. But before we jump into that subject, doctor, why don't you go ahead and just tell us briefly about your qualifications and experience experience yeah thanks marcus um so look i have spent um nine and a half years of my my career and my life up at liverpool um in the northwest of england so the university there is liverpool john moores um and and that's where i i studied my undergraduate degree in sport and exercise science my master's degree in sports physiology and then I stayed on and, and finished a, a PhD in kind of applied physiology, body composition and sports nutrition. Um, and, and that was heavily focused on uh, rugby players at the time. Um, and then outside of the academia, I, I was then fortunate enough to accumulate um, a, an OK amount of experience with professional rugby players, uh, boxers and professional football players. Um, so much so that I then had four years working at the England FA, so the England Football Association, um, and, and that was with the England football squads, where we had 16 national squads on the, on the men's and the women's pathway, um, and, and looking after ultimately their fueling and recovery strategies to allow them to be the most prepared kind of players in the world. Um, so that was the plan there, and then more recently I've, I left the FA, and um, I've got myself back into rugby union and um, I work at Bristol Bears now looking after our senior men, senior women's and academy players there. Awesome. Sounds like you're a very, very busy man. Um, now, for those soccer players that are interested in taking their game to the next level, wanting to play college, wanting to play professionally, maybe someday, what do you see as the biggest challenge for those players when it comes to performance nutrition? Yeah, I think um, a lot of the conversations that I've had in the past and continue to have now is is the genuine understanding of what performance nutrition can do for the athlete um, and, and, and the value of, of understanding the impact it can have. So, you know, if you've got a younger player who is trying to develop and grow muscle mass, then how important it is to support that individual with optimal or evidence-based protein content and, and guidelines around protein, the amount that we're consuming. Likewise, 
genuine fueling for the work required. So not going into training underfueled and be, being a carbophobic, not backing away from carbohydrates and actually understanding what carbohydrates can do and how beneficial they can be for the body to have a good training session. And, and then, you know, likewise, going into matches as well, genuinely fueling for match play correctly, making sure we're hitting the evidence-based guidelines about how to fuel properly. Um, and, and then, of course, recover from the matches as well. So I think um, for us over here in the UK, we talk a lot about fueling for the work required and genuinely understanding how one day on a Monday, for example, might be different from a training demand compared to a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And so just in that example alone, then nutrition shouldn't really be the same because we've got two different training demands, two different energy expenditures, and arguably that's going to require two different energy intakes. So um, I, I think that fueling for the work required is critical. And then a, a lot of the time in my conversations now, I'm asking athletes to genuinely think about eating with intent. So what, what is the intent of the meal that you're eating now at lunchtime ready for the training in the afternoon? And is what you're eating going to support what you're trying to ask the body to do in 90 minutes time? So I, I think that's an area that isn't understood um, as well as it could be. And I think when athletes get it and the penny drops and the light bulb goes off, they begin to realize the impact that nutrition can have on training, adaptation, growth, development, and performance. And then they'll see their development uh, improve from that, which I, I always believe that nutrition was such an important component because it is the fuel for the body. Now, recently you were on the uh, Science for Sport podcast and you talked about maximizing muscle growth through optimized protein intake. I really enjoyed your perspective on that. Can you share with us a quick overview of your thoughts on that subject? Yeah, so if you look at, for example, the UEFA consensus statement on protein intake at the moment for a professional football slash soccer player, the, we, what we can't be doing as a professional athlete is consuming the World Health Organization of 0.8 gram per kilo of body mass. So to keep it simple, if you're a 100 kilo athlete, the World Health Organization would say 80 grams of protein a day, and that's substantial. But as an elite athlete, you're, you're not the general Joe. You're, you're not the normal person in the population. You're a professional athlete for a reason. And so the literature from you know, the protein uh, meta-analysis and a lot of the consensus statements would agree that really it's a minimum of 1.6 gram per kilo, sometimes up to 2.5 gram per kilo, depending on the individual and the body composition goals. But if we keep it simple again, if we go in the middle of that and say, two gram per kilo as a professional athlete or a young football soccer player trying to grow and develop should be the target. Then again, if you're hundred kilos, we're now looking at 200 grams of protein a day. So substantially greater than what the World Health Organization would say. Then the question becomes, okay, that's a lot of protein. How do we try and consume that? And, and what is it we're trying to do for the body when we're consuming that amount? The easiest way to try and consume it is to then split it over the course of the day, over a number of windows of opportunities. So not just relying on breakfast, lunch and dinner, but actually now saying, well, I'm going to have breakfast. I'm then going to have a mid-morning snack. I'm going to have lunch. I'm then going to have a mid-afternoon snack. I'm going to have dinner. And then I might also, well, I should also have a pre-bed snack. 
So we've now got six or seven windows of opportunities to eat the 200 grams instead of just three over breakfast, lunch and dinner. And the reason that we're trying to do that is because we're trying to maximize the, the, the nutritional support for the body to, to build, repair and recover muscle. And, and we call that muscle protein synthesis. And, and that there is we're, we're trying to build and grow new proteins, new muscles within the body. And if we're not going to support it by consuming enough new uh, protein from the nutritional diet, then we're going to really struggle to grow and develop as an athlete. So the guidance really is how do we try and maximize muscle protein synthesis and make sure that at the end of the day, that outweighs muscle protein degradation? Because what we don't want is that to be flipped. We don't want an athlete to have a lot of muscle protein breakdown and not support it nutritionally with protein in the diet because we will struggle to grow, develop and recover. That's great, great, uh, great perspective. Really enjoy that. Um, I know that every athlete is different and their nutritional fueling needs are different. Uh, but do you see a real big difference in the nutritional needs between male and female players? It's a really, really interesting question at the moment because there's there's a lot of talk, um, you know, and discussion, some great discussion points on, um, you know, the, the, the kind of difference between male athletes and female athletes. Is, is there much of a difference? Do we know that at the moment? Um, I don't think we do. I think the literature at the moment still needs to be um, needs to be found. We, we need to do the research. I mean, I'm sitting here in front of me with a textbook called the uh, the exercise in female and it's an area that I didn't know enough about and so I brought the textbook to go and read but right now I, th I think the the agreement across li the literature is that you've got athletes that are trying to perform and recover from the demands of their sport and yes there will be subtle differences in in terms of the requirements and the needs that those athletes have so a good example is that females have different hormones than, than men. And of course, that will have different impacts on the body. Um, and it's, it, it's our job to be aware of that and to understand that so that if there are certain symptoms or we've got an athlete that's a little bit more fatigued that week, then how can we support that nutritionally? You know, do we provide extra energy? Do we provide extra calories to support that? Um, but outside of that at the moment, I don't think the literature is there to categorically say that there's complete differences between um, male and females. That's not to say that, that that might not come. And I'll give you a good example. So we've just had accepted into um, medicine of sport and exercise science, the world's first doubly labeled water energy expenditure study on international football players. So we studied the, the senior women's squad at England football and we wanted to identify what was the energy expenditure on an, on an international training camp. And we've got that data. It's been accepted. It, it will be published very soon. But what, what we saw there was that there's quite a lot of energy expenditure on a training camp. And lo and behold, you've got athletes that are not consuming enough energy intake. So what we're presenting now, irrespective of whether they're a male or a female, we've got athletes that are under fueling. Likewise, what Marcus Hannon, Dr. Marcus Hannon, who I interviewed for the book, what, what he saw at academy premiership football or soccer level was that you had academy players expending potentially four, four and a half thousand calories a day and only consuming 2,000 calories a day, two and a half thousand. So again, you've got academy 
male football players that are under fueling. So I think what we can agree on in the literature at the moment is that maybe irrespective of male or female, but certainly at the moment, we've got athletes that aren't fueling and potentially recovering well enough. And there's the impact that nutrition can have on those athletes to improve and develop moving forward. Um, we, we, you know, we do know that there are subtle differences in uh, kind of the, the male and female athlete because of some of the points that I've raised earlier. But I think the, uh, the area of research is only going to grow and expand. And it's, it's a super exciting area to be a part of. Yeah, I, I underfueling, I think, is such a huge thing for our athletes to really understand and being able to perform at their best out there. Um, since you've been doing this for a long time, how has performance nutrition changed over the last few years and how do you see it changing going forward? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm by, by no means am I anyone special in the industry, but, uh, you know, I've worked with different athletes across different sports and I think what we are beginning to see is that there, there's clearly an impact of technology that is infiltrating the world of sport nutrition from being able to track to the best of your ability calorie intake, nutritional intake. We've now got apps that are beginning to periodize nutrition over the course of the day aligned to the, the training demands that you submit into the app. Um, so I think technology is having a big impact. Um, but I think the, the biggest, for me, the biggest impact that I'm seeing that maybe wasn't there when I started was how certainly over here in the UK, clubs are beginning to appreciate the impact that nutritionists can have. You know, I've, I think now there's, there's a nutritionist in at every Premier League team, either full-time or at least part-time. That's beginning to infiltrate into the Women's Super League. So our, our main Premier Division for women's soccer over here. Um, and certainly Premiership Rugby. So the appreciation of nutrition as an industry, a standalone industry on its own, is, is definitely increasing. Um, and I think that's the biggest change I've seen since I started, where it used to just be, you know, the person going in once a month and doing skin folds and picking up a paycheck. Whereas now, it, it, I, think, I think we progressed since the days of just doing skin folds on players and telling them that they're 75 mils. Excellent. We're talking with Dr. James Morin, performance nutritionist and author of the new book, The Performance Nutritionist. Uh, if you have just one nutritional tip that you can give our youth soccer players that are wanting to take their game to the next level, what would that one tip be? One tip would be to consume a good quality protein source before bed. <laughs> can you elaborate a little bit more where they can, you know, what, what kind of quality protein are you talking about? Of course, yeah. So one thing I would recommend over here is having a, a good quality glass of milk before bed. So for me, I would, I would try and go dairy milk uh, to make sure that we've got a good, good source of protein in there and a good hit of calcium. Um, but to elaborate on that point even further, what I'm trying to get my athletes to do now is to increase their daily intake of protein because a lot of my conversations and when I'm uncovering habitually what players are consuming we're, we're just consuming uh, too little protein and, and that's where I think players are struggling with recovery you know that they're, they're, they're not recovering as quick as they should do because I just think protein content is quite low and, and the biggest window of opportunity that we we saw in our recent uh, study with the England girls was that 
the the lack of protein being consumed before they go to to sleep. So a lot of the players were having dinner or even a meal at seven, eight o'clock at night, and then you know not going to bed till 10, 30, 11. But now you've had you know two, three hours since you've had that that hit of protein at dinner. And that's where I think actually we've got another window of opportunity here to to genuinely support the body with a good quality source of protein before you go to sleep. And then you let the magic happen while you're sleeping. You know, you you sleep, you've you've got the protein in, let the magic happen, and then hopefully you would wake up a little bit more refreshed and recovered. Like we mentioned before, uh, Dr. Morin has a, a brand new book out. It's called The Performance Nutritionist. Tell us a little bit about what the book is all about. Yeah, so um, basically what, what I did with this book was that I wanted to interview um, 10 performance nutritionists that I genuinely believe have got a successful career and have, have had successful kind of case studies themselves. And so I went out, I've interviewed these performance nutritionists, and then I've, I've wrote that into a book, um, put an introduction kind of summary chapter within there as well. But the, the book is insights, reflections and advice from those practitioners in sport at the moment on what a career in nutrition looks like. You know, there's, there's little nuggets of information there for athletes to read as well about what, what we believe to be the future of nutrition, what makes a successful nutritionist. I asked every person kind of what book have they read that really impact their practice that help them develop and grow. What lessons have they learned over the last kind of five, 10 years of their career that they, you know, would, would, share with someone else so that that person didn't make those those same mistakes um and it's been a really fun process because one thing we do in nutrition quite well i think is the sharing of information and and this really is a, a you know this is 10 different people that work in different premier league clubs or rugby or cycling teams and and this is about their journey and and i think the exciting thing about our career and every every career to be honest is that everyone's journey is different but we've all ended up at the same destination of being a performance nutritionist. Um, so yeah, that, that's the book. Awesome. Where can folks uh, go to buy the book? Cause I know you've been busy, extremely busy on social media, getting the books out, uh, uh, mailing them out and handwriting labels and having all yeah. that fun. Where can folks get the book? Yeah. So they, look, they can buy it through the website, um, morehenperformance.com. Um, and if they buy through there, then yeah, they'll get the kind of handwritten note. Or if they want it a lot quicker, then they can find it on Amazon at the moment. Um, so yeah, available globally at the moment. Uh, you're a great find on and follow on social media. That's where we found you. Uh, where can folks find you and follow you? Yeah, on Twitter, um, my handle is James underscore Morhem. Um, and then on Instagram, it's Morhem Performance. And uh, same as the website. And then yeah, LinkedIn is just my name as well. Awesome. We suggest you go out and follow Dr. Morin. Uh, he really uh, spit, uh, spit some fire out there and uh, good information uh, for those athletes and when it comes to performance nutrition. Dr. Morin, thank you so much for coming on the uh, program today and uh, good luck on the sales of your book, The Performance Nutritionist. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me and the invitation. And thank you for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember, make sure you like, subscribe, and share our program, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the West Virginia Soccer Association Beyond the Pitch podcast. You can catch a brand new episode every Thursday morning here on the WVSA Digital Network.
or find us on our social media platforms at WV Soccer. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.